<laughs> Praise God. Um, what, what, they're, what they're missing is what the Word of God uh, talks about. And even the atheist, while he tries to say that he does not believe in God, you know, see, the interesting thing is that every single human being on this earth that is alive has been touched by God. Every single human being. There's a natural, there's an innate thing that is built into the spirit of man that makes him aware of God. It's just that at some conscious point, be it culturally or sociologically, wherever you are born and raised, you know, whether or not those groups of people are choosing to place that, to place that God need in a rock, in a tree, in a snake, you know, in a candle or something else, but that need to worship is still there in every single civilization that's there. Okay? The atheist, at some point in time, with his reasoning, has come up with this great idea that God just does not exist, but in the very fact that they're not worshiping the God that we know, the God of the universe, they're worshiping another God, and that God would be that spirit of Antichrist, and they don't even realize it. You see, because they're, they're saying that God does not exist. So every single human being has this spiritual spiritual um, genetic thing, there's such thing as genes and a spirit, but it has this genetic need to worship. And that need to worship will manifest itself in some way. You know, be it worshiping a door or rock or whatever. But what has happened in this country, and in many places around the world, it's happened a long time ago, but it's happening more and more here, is that God is being pushed out of the picture. We were shopping the other day, just, just yesterday as a matter of fact, looking around, and you, and you look at the number of stores that actually have Christmas cards that have pictures of Jesus on it. Okay, the Christmas cards will have Frosty on it. They have little blow-up things to put on your lawn that are beavers, that are ducks, that are anything with a snow suit on or a Santa suit on. And, and this is what the, the Christmas season has evolved, or I should say devolved to, where, where everything but Jesus, only in a few stores, believe it or not, it was still good old Walmart that actually still has a section that has quite a number of traditional Christmas Jesus-related cards in it. But look at how they're pushing God out of the picture in every single place. That has its consequences, all right? Not based on my words, but based on the word of God. So looking at Romans chapter 1, we're just going to start with verse number 14, and we're going to follow through, and we're going to tear apart and analyze what God is really saying here, spiritually, and discern what God is saying here. So starting with verse number uh, 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So first of all, we have to remember to ask ourselves, are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Okay, we should never be ashamed. We should never be ashamed to proclaim that we are Christians. I don't care, be it in the workplace, be it in school, in the neighborhood, in the store, wherever you are, you should never be ashamed to proclaim that I am a Christian because it is slowly becoming more and more or rapidly becoming more and more unfashionable for you to say that you're a Christian. You can see how much the Christians are under, are under attack uh, or, or, or just left out or no, there's no protection, you know. They will quickly um, support um, uh, uh, some other quote-unquote religions or other cultures, but when it comes down to protecting a Christian that is born right here in this country, there is little, little protection or no one stands up for what we believe and what we think. Amen? So don't be ashamed of it because it is becoming very rapidly fashionable to not want to say you're a Christian. Um, uh, verse number 17, for in it is the righteousness of God 
revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So therefore, holding the truths of God in unrighteousness. What is right is wrong, and what is wrong is considered right today. Holding the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it unto them. You see, God has shown it unto those, even those people that are non-believers. For God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Please underline that. Um, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Please underline they became vain in their imaginations, or that their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, you see. And in your margin is write the word idols. Right? So what this is saying here is, is that um, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, you see. And because of that, because of that, it says there, um, <clears throat> and they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So what they started in their imaginations and using their minds and their intellect, quote-unquote, to um, discern the things of God and to think what is God or is not God, that really, really made them foolish. And because of that, their hearts were darkened. They were professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. So in other words, many times you will have, you will have the erudite and, erudite and other folks that are, are, are so, um, they're too smart to believe in God. They will call us foolish. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen debates and discussions on television where you've seen someone that is there that is, is, is not a Christian and whatnot, and, and especially the atheists, they call us fools. How can you believe on some invis- invisible thing that you can't even see? You are so childish. You are so silly. I mean, that is, it's ridiculous. I mean, how could Jesus, this person, Jesus, how could they do that? How could they do that? And so in their minds, because they're so wise and we're so foolish, um, this causes something to happen. Their hearts become darkened, you see, because they're pushing out the light of God from their lives. You see, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. So in other words, since they couldn't see this, the, the, this invisible God and they did not have, have the wherewithal to have faith and to want to trust in God, they decided to manufacture a God in the form of a corruptible man, corruptible man, Incorruptible and corruptible in scripture here is referring to incorruptible is something that is eternal. It cannot be destroyed. Okay? Man is corruptible. The physical body dies and that's it. Okay? So, so they're taking the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts. So since they couldn't see, they couldn't believe in this invisible God, in their wiseness, they said, we're going to make something that we can see. You know? So they made birds and, and, and animals and other things that they carved and these are the things that they wound up worshiping because this is what they could see and touch. And to them, that was wiser to them that was wiser than us silly Christians who believe in a God that we cannot see 
Okay? But the whole premise behind us believing in a God that we cannot see, because if we could see God, then what kind of faith would that require? You see? The whole thing about Christianity, true Christianity, is your having faith in God. It's having faith in a God that you cannot see. Having faith in a God that simply because His Word says that I am, okay, I am, not meaning I was or I will be. God says I am, meaning that he is one constant, the only constant thing in this universe, all right, that we can believe in him and trust him for the things in our lives. How can you believe in an invisible God when you need a new house, when you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that, and you're trying to find a new job, or, 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 or trying to plan a wedding and everything to go along just, just right for you? It's hard to believe in an, un, in an invisible God, and that's what, what faith is all about, okay? So here now it continues, uh, uh, it, it says four footed beasts and creeping things. Alright, so we're going to pause there now. What I want to, to operate on here today is to look at is where it says in verse number 21 because when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were they thankful. Because of the fact that they um, because of the fact that, that they could not glorify God and did not give thanks to him. We're going to see in these following scriptures what happened as a result of that. Glorifying God. What is glorifying God? We Christians need to learn how to glorify God. We said that so quickly. Do you glorify God? Oh yes, I glorify God. Are you thankful? Yes, I'm thankful. What is truly glorifying God? Glorifying God is, is recognizing and esteeming him as the one that should receive all of your praise. Being thankful is realizing that everything that you have is, is because of Him and being thankful for Him, but to Him. But so many times we forget about doing that. We'll be praying for a job, we'll be praying for a house, we'll be praying for what it is that we're praying for. And then when we get that thing, we forget to really, really thank God. We forget to glorify God. Glorifying God holds its place in, 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 a, in, a, in a worship service. Glorifying God holds its place in your personal lives. You've got to learn how to praise God. This is why here we focus so much on praise and worship music. This is why before the sermon starts, we have the praise and worship time. Because praising God is critical to you really, really understanding and being blessed by God. All right? If you are not holding God in high esteem, really lifting Him up on a pedestal, all right, then you're not glorifying Him. You're not, you're not glorifying Him. You know? And we, don't, we, we stop and, and we don't think about it too much, but if you have a family member or someone that you know where you are in dire straits, you know, you couldn't pay the mortgage or whatever and then some family member out of the blue just came through and said I'll pay the mortgage for you for the next six months. Man, you'd be talking about that. You'd be so thankful to that person. You'd be calling them up. You'd be starting, you want anything from the store? I'm going to Winco. You want anything? I mean, you'd be really hold this person in high esteem. If anyone talked about him, anyone in the family talked about him, are you kidding me? Aunt Sadie is the most wonderful woman in the world. Oh, she's da da da. And you put the person on a pedestal, as it sounds, as, as, as they say, okay? We human beings so quickly do that with another human being that does something nice for us. And it's nice to be grateful and thankful to a human being for doing something. I'm not saying not to be. But with God, when God does something, we very quickly say, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got the job. I got the house. I got this. I got that. And then we move on. 
how quickly move, we move on. So that's not glorifying God. Glorifying God is also glorifying God in your actions. Glorifying God in your speech. You're not glorifying God if you, as a child of God, you're out there, you know, you know cussing and carrying on and just hanging out in all the places you shouldn't be, be hanging out. Your life is not glorifying God in that way either. Okay? So it says there that they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So now, so that that tells us then, we, we run a risk, and we don't think about this too much, but if we, we, we run a risk as Christians, if we're not glorifying God and not being thankful, that there's a very chance that, that our, our imaginations or our thoughts can become darkened. You know, in other words, we get off the thing of things of God, and the more you get off the things of God, it's more easily for someone to to fill in that void with things that are not of God. All right, so you need to make sure that we are glorifying God and holding God in high esteem, because there's a price to pay if you don't do that. If you don't do that, now let's go back to Scripture. Okay, we left off with 23, where it says that I'll read again. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God uh, into an image made like corruptible man and bird and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. All right. So as a result of these people not um, glorifying God and, and, and changing the incorruptible God into images and so forth, some things start happening. It says God gave them up to, to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who exchanged the truth of God and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. So in other words, if you don't know how to glorify God and you're not glorifying God and holding him in high esteem, that at some point you, you, you get to the point where you, you start focusing on other things. You, you get away from the things of God. You start focusing on things that are not of God and, and you, you wind up there in your hearts in this degree, dishonor their own bodies between themselves, exchange the truth for a lie and worship the creature more than the creator. In other words, there is someone else that you wind up worshipping or following after more than the Creator. There is some part in your life, a thing, a car, a house, or whatever it might be, that you wind up worshipping more than God, where these things become more important to you. All right? You cannot be, if you're not worshipping and glorifying God, if you're not careful, you wind up worshipping other things. You know, you know the scripture that says you cannot worship, what is it, God and mammon? You cannot worship God and money. Either money becomes your God or God becomes your God, but you can't worship the both, you see? So what it's saying here is that, that this is what happens here, here when someone is not um, glorifying God and not being thankful. Now, it gets even worse. Verse 26. For this cause, because they did not glorify and worship God, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affection. For even their women did exchange the natural use for that which is, which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one, uh, one toward another, men with men, working, with, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was fitting. You see? So now, being unthankful to God and not glorifying God, and God kind of just gave them up. You see, we, in the natural as human beings, 
If you don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and make an effort to follow God, because of our sinful nature, we would ordinarily just deviate to the things of sin. Okay? What keeps us out of sin is God. Alright? What this is saying here is because of the fact that they did not glorify God and were thankful to Him, that these things God just gave them up, and so they kind of went back into their own desires, their own lusts, in which in some cases were men with men and women with women. Now they're searching for reasons why, you know, this is, happens, and, and they're born like this, and, and there's a gene for, for that, and so on like that. That's nonsense. The Word of God tells us that that, that act is against the will of God. It's against the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying if anyone hearing this on the on the and on the podcast here that we Christians that we hate homosexuals I'm not saying that at all God does not hate homosexuals okay what God is against is their sinful way of life alright God loves that human being and we pray that, that those that would, would, are into that lifestyle will come out of it and seek God and come to do that which God wants them to do with their bodies as God designed them to do but we see here in scripture it says again and likewise also it says for this cause 26 God gave them up unto vile affections because we were worshipping God just said oh Okay, I take my hands off them. All right, for even their women did exchange the natural use for that which is against nature, and likewise unto the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was fitting. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, what do we see going on today? Not retaining God in, in their knowledge. Taking the Ten Commandments, uh, stone carving off the, the, the capital uh, grounds of that, it was Ohio, I forget what state that was now, where they took up, dug up the Ten Commandments, where they're pushing it out slowly but surely in, in, in schools. The kids can't talk about it, okay? Yes, still it's okay, though. It's okay for a kid from one culture to wear a knife to school because a carved knife is part of their culture. It's okay for that. But one of our children can't bring a Bible to school or even talk about God or wear a T-shirt, all right? You, you see? And, and so... And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do these things which are not seemly. You see? So, if, in other words, what's happening here, if God is being pushed away, which he is, God is being pushed away. If God decides to leave them up to a reprobate mind, then that means that they just get worse and worse and worse. Because without God's guidance, we naturally gravitate towards the most evil, vile things in life. All right? You push God out of a society, then that society, you know, that's why, you know, I, I talk so much about Christians praying, praying heavily, you know, for the nation, you know, for the county, for the state in which we live. Because the only ones that's keeping us out of trouble are the prayers of Christians. You see, but the more they push God away, if God is not there, if God takes their hands off, then they're in trouble. Amen? Amen? Look at Job. What does Satan say to Job? The only reason that Job loves you... I'm sorry, what did, what did uh, Satan say to God? He said that the only reason that Job loves you is because you have a protection around him. You have your hand on him. You're keeping him safe. That's the only reason he loves you. Because Job was a faithful man. God said, okay, I will remove the hedge of protection. Do what you will, but take not his life. Touch not his life. You see? So at that point, God said, okay, to make a point, God said, okay, then I'll take my hands off. You see? So that's what this is saying here. Because they were not glorifying and being thankful to God and worshiping God, God says, okay, I will leave you to your own devices. Now, we know that a child... 
You turn a little toddler loose in a room full of toys and knives and other lethal blow torches and whatnot. You turn you can imagine what the scene would look like if you left the child to their own devices. They just run and grab whatever it is that attracts them. Okay? Us human beings, we human beings, we adults, left without God, left to our own devices, we go and we do those things that, that God would not have us to do. That's what this is saying. All right? And if you continually push God away, you know, the little kids in the playpen, they continually push the parent away if they could. Get out, mommy. Get out, daddy. And they left. And you left them in the playpen. They'd be left to their own devices. You can imagine what devilment they would get into. Well, this is what God here is saying about mankind. You push me away. You push me away. Then I will leave you alone to your own devices. Their own devices put them, gave them, put them in a state where they had a reprobate mind and getting into doing all sorts of devilment. Men with men. Women with women. And other things. All right? Uh, <clears throat> verse 28 again. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, gave, gave, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not seemly, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, insolent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they also commit such things, are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Okay? You see, so we see here what the consequences are. So then, when you stop and you look, about, look, at, look around the nation, around the world for that matter, what's going on, it becomes crystal clear. You see? It becomes crystal clear. You don't need a psychologist or a sociologist just to explain what's happening. It's because of the fact that, that man is pushing God, especially in this country, where this country was founded on the principles of God. And there are so many excellent books that you can get that are written by some of the founding fathers. You look at the Declaration of Independence. You look at the Constitution. You go to Washington, D.C. and you look at some of those huge monuments there and you see scriptures written around and carved into the stone. That were there. These were God-fearing people. These were godly men. But the country here is pushing God out. And as a result, this is why things are happening the way they are. So, since our own personal lives are merely microcosms or smaller versions of society as a whole, in like fashion, if we push God of our lives, and of course we as Christians would never push him out, but if we aren't careful, we forget to glorify him, and we forget to, to hold him in high esteem, and we forget to, to be thankful to him. So the bottom line here is then, how do I glorify God? How do I glorify God? Because I do not want to be at the place where I am not glorifying God and then being left to, to a reprobate mind or to slowly drift away. You know. And I have seen that in Christianity also. I have seen that over the many years. In small churches, in larger churches, you know, when, 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 when people start, start drifting away and then speaking with them privately and saying, well, how often are you reading the Bible? How often are you praying? Are you spending time with God? And then the answers are, well, all sorts of sounds, you know, I don't know, you know. And then you can see there's a direct correlation. 
to the lack of time that they're spending with God to how their lives all of a sudden are going off kilter. You see, and I'm talking about people that I've known over the many years that were strong men and women of faith, you know. But, but being human beings like we all are, it takes some effort and some, some uh, willpower of our own to make sure that we're staying in God's Word and that we're taking time to worship Him and to glorify Him and to hold Him in high esteem. Because again, you know, we are a microcosm of a larger society, larger culture, and if we're not doing this on the largest, on the large scale, and, and then if we're not careful, we wind up going astray also. Now, why is that possible? It's possible because, again, us, our lives, a smaller version of culture, society in which we live, we're going to work with people like that. We're interfacing with people like that. We're going to school with people that are pushing God away. And if we aren't careful, we become just as lax as they are. We get to the point where we are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because 99% of the office or the school or the neighborhood are non-Christian. Or because it's become so unfashionable to speak of Christianity today, all of a sudden we start dumbing it down. You know, we start start becoming a closet Christian, you see. And the interesting thing is that if you're a closet Christian externally, when you're outside and public and moving around with people, you'd be surprised how quickly you become a closet Christian in your home. Okay? In your home. It's very difficult for you to all of a sudden walk around and never speak of God when you're outside or around. You know, I'm not saying now that means that you've got to bring your Bible in your hand and, and, and a soapbox and bring it to school, to church, and you're going shopping and put it down and, and you repent, repent, repent. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying though that when discussions of God or when something comes up in your life from other people that is against your life as a child of God, that you very boldly say, why I'm not going to do it. Okay? Okay? I, I, don't, I, I don't drink, I don't party, I don't curse, I don't swear, I don't do this. Well, why is that? Be- because I'm a child of God and I, don't, I just don't go that way. I mean, as simple as that. Or no, I will not do that. Why will God not want me to do that? And they kind of look at you kind of straight and funny like that. You know, well, that's okay. You look at me funny like that. God is in heaven smiling upon me because I was bold enough to stand up for his word. So if we're not careful, we wind up slipping away from, from glorifying God. Again, it's hard to, to, to not give praise to God or honor to God or speak of God externally and then all of a sudden come back into your house and all of a sudden become this, this religious holy, ro- holy roller where you're doing everything for God. All right? It's very hard to do that. So we need to make sure that we're glorifying God. Now again, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, let's look at some scriptures. Okay, the first thing before we get to the scriptures, you got to realize is that if you've got an issue in your life, all right, we as human beings, even though we're children of God, we wind up focusing on that issue. All right, we wind up focusing on that issue. It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of training, self-discipline, for you to look at whatever that issue might be understand what it is, and then to get off focusing that issue. Alright? The way to do that, this is the reason why God says to glorify Him and to be thankful. You cannot be thankful to God and glorifying God through praise and worship and at the same time be dwelling on an issue. Alright? When you're dwelling on an issue, you're thinking about that issue, whatever that is, you're lifting that issue up above God. So you're holding the issue in, in, in higher esteem than you are God, because you're thinking more about that than God. All right? You are, in, in essence, glorifying that issue. If you're thinking about an issue, a negative something that's going on in your life, and all you're doing is worrying about it and thinking about that, in your mind, that issue is up here, and God is down here. 
All right? Glorifying God, meaning that you're focusing on God all of the time, puts God up here and the issue down here. It's almost like being on a seesaw, you know? You ever on a seesaw, one person is always up, okay? It takes a lot. We used to try as kids to balance it so that both were even. You used to try that, okay? And maybe you get it going for a little bit, but sooner or later somebody wins out, you know, especially when you get that 27-year-old kid come jump on the other side and you're like eight, okay? And you got this big guy that jumps on. So, all right, so, so you, you, you imagine as a seesaw. The things in your life that are troublesome and difficult, if you're focusing on that, then in terms of a seesaw, that issue is up here and God is down here. Because you're not thinking about God. And just stop and think about it. And then admit it to yourself. When you got that problem that's there, you got that problem occupying your mind, you know, 2,000%. Okay, God may sneak in there in your thoughts, but that problem, if you're really thinking about that, you're glorifying the problem. So we need to talk about here, how do you glorify God in the midst of those problems? How do you hold God in high esteem? What is it about glorifying and, and, and holding him in high regard and being thankful to him? What does the word of God say about doing that? Okay. All right. So let's look, go to some scriptures here. Let's look, go to Psalm 22. Because the way you glorify God is through praising. And as I started out by saying, this is why we spend time doing praise and worship in the beginning of the service. And you should be praising God every single chance that you get. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, Psalm 22, verse number 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou who inhabitest the praises of Israel. Okay? So God inhabits praise. God lives where praise is. God is, God appears where there is praise that is, that is going on. So we see here then if we want God in our lives, then we need to bring God in by praising Him. And again, this is why we praise in the beginning of a worship service, because we want God here with us. You see? You see? And so God here, God here inhabits the praise of His people. Then we see in Psalm 107, Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verse number 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Just pause there for a moment. It's very, very hard, and we all, we all know that. When you've got a distressful situation in your life, when there's something going on in your life that is particularly troublesome, it's very, very hard for you to think about glorifying God. 
It's very hard for you to think about giving thanks to him, you see. And that's something, that's why I said before when I first started this message here, that it's something glorifying God becomes easier and easier for you, but it does take an act of your will to actually say that. So in other words, you've got this troublesome thing going on in your life, all of a sudden something has changed that you weren't expecting, expecting, you know. And and, And that's one of the issues of life that can be the most devastating, is that you've been on an even keel, going to work or whatever, school or whatever it is, and everything is normal and natural, then all of a sudden, boom, something comes up to wreck your day or to wreck your life as it feels at that time. It's very, very hard for us to automatically start praising God and to think about glorifying Him when that happens. So it takes there some, some effort, some willpower on us until you get to the point, you know, the same way you are so accustomed to driving from point A, point A to point B in your life, be that point A to B, be it work, school, wherever it is that you might be going, um, and you maybe you, the first times you do it, you got to think about, okay, I go to Fall Street, I make a left on here, and I go right and go down, so you got to think about it. After a while, it becomes habit. I mean, you just go on and you make that route every single day, and you don't even really think about it, you know. You, yeah, how many folks here have gone through, you know, all of a sudden you're home, and, you know, there's a, there's a stop sign, say, three blocks before you get home, and you really don't remember stopping at that stop sign. You know, you just kind of went through you know, you probably did, but you didn't don't really remember it because it's become such a habit to you. Well, glorifying God when there's a trouble there, think about that seesaw. Glorifying God and praising God has to become a habit, and it will the more that you get it, the more that you do it. Amen. Verse number six again. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men should praise the Lord for for his goodness and for his wonderful works in the children of men. Works to the children of men. Please underline that. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. You know, when, when things are, 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 are there will be some times, I don't know how many people here can acknowledge or admit to themselves that there are times, maybe time in your life where you, you, you just feel out of sorts. You don't really know what it is. You just feel kind of depressed or just something ain't right, you know, and, and, and it's, it's something missing. When you start feeling like that, it's because you need a drink of water. I put that in quotes. You need a drink from God. You need to go back and, and reconnect with God, you see. Because for, for us to be away from him too long, um, it, it, it drains us, you know. You know the scripture where Jesus talks about, I am, the, I am the vine and you are the branch. And how we need to stay, stay connected to Jesus. Well, you need to be connected with God. All right? um, for Verse number 9, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God. Please in the line, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. You see? So we see what's going on here. Why, why um, there is so much evil going on and why things are, are going wrong is because they belled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. You know? And that's what, I mean, I, 
for the life of me, I, I cannot understand how anyone would despise the counsel of God. You see? But you start talking to some people about, oh, well, according to the Bible, you should do A, B, and C. And it's all oh, you, get away from me, you foolish man. Get away from me. I mean, how is that going to help me? You know, I got this million dollar debt, and, and how is praying to an invisible God going to get me out of it? You silliness. Get away from me. You know, despising, despising, you see? And that, again, is what we see happening on the national front. You know, we see God being pushed out, and more and more um, people talking against God. Uh, verse number 12. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Please in the line. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and broke their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Please in the line. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze, and cut the, uh, cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul, the soul abhors all manner of food that they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. Please line verse 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Please underline that. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from instructions. Uh, destruction. How many of us, when we are feeling ill, you know, remember to pray? You know, I rebuke you, spirit of infirmity, because according to scriptures, it is written, with Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I am healed according to the word of God. That's what he said. All right. So the healing that was was that that is needed at that time was taken care of by Jesus on the cross some two thousand years ago. You know. You see, you see, God has done all that needs to be done for us. It's already been done. It's just that we as Christians we forget many times to avail ourselves of those things that are out there. We forget to go back to the word of God and speak back that which God has already done. Because what was done at the cross, Jesus defeated death. We no longer have to fear death. I'm talking about eternal death. We, we know that, that we all go through the physical death because the Bible says every man is appointed once to die. That's the physical death. But then we have life with Jesus, with the Lord in eternity. Amen. So Jesus defeated all that. Jesus defeated sickness and so on. So, so when that comes upon us, because we're still in a physical body, okay, but Jesus defeated sickness in terms of us being able to say, with Jesus' stripes I am healed, so I rebuke that sickness and you keep confessing it until that healing is manifested in the natural. But spiritually, spiritually, that healing has already been done. You see? And that's what we, we, we miss. Okay, verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them... Let me see how far do I want to go here. Uh, okay, and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these... These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. Please underline that again. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He makes the storms calm so that the waves thereof are still. 
then are they glad because they are quiet. And he brings them into their desired haven. How many times does it feel like, and you've heard the expression, oh, how are you doing? How are you? Oh, I'm Jesus, I'm just drowning. I'm just treading waters, trying to stay afloat. You've heard that expression many times. And the Lord knows that when you're feeling um, really under... You know, with a problem that's going on in your life, you too can feel like you're drowning in a situation when you have no answers and no solution. Well, the saying here that if you cry out to the Lord, that He will bring you through. Through 29, He makes the storms calm, the storm of your life He makes calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they are quiet, so He brings them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Please underline that again. Oh that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them fall, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Alright, we're going to pause there. So underline verse 32 also, let them exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. It's like, you know, why don't they get it? Why don't we get it? Why do we not understand that praising God is critical to our existence, is critical for us being victorious in this life? Amen. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Okay, chapter 2, verse number 9. That we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who in time past were not a people but are now the people of God, who has not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. All right? So there it is again. You know, he called us out of darkness. That we should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. We also see here, in, in closing here, in, the sec- in Acts 16. Acts 16. Acts number 16. You know, it's so, it's so, um, when things, when things are not going well, uh, God oftentimes just seems far away. And I know that, because I certainly have experienced it over the years in life, at, at one time or another, when things are really going badly and you can't figure out how to get around it, that God does seem far away. You know, and so I'm not going to stand up here and just because I'm a preacher try to say that it's oh so easy, it's just do this and do that. There are times that God seems far away. So it takes an act of your will, you know, and again, this is what faith is all about. If you could see God in front of you, you know, then that's not faith. If you could see him and you have a need for something and God is there, that's not faith. 
is when you can't see God and when you don't know how you're going to fix this situation, you know. And I really say this to, to, to uh, especially to, to younger folks who are, who, who are starting their lives, if you can't get to the point where you can really, really have faith in God and trust Him when things go wrong because you're going to need Him. You know, you're going to, we all do. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you know. And, and when those things are happening in your life, when you, 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 you look on the internet, you look at your bank account or whatever the issue may be that's going on, you know, that you just don't see how it's going to happen, how you're going to get out of this mess. You see no way of doing it. For you to praise God, to hold Him in high esteem and to glorify Him for His goodness and His tender mercies, takes a lot of willpower, you know. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like it's all so easy and all of that sort of thing because I'm a preacher. That is not the case at all. It takes your will to actually do that. It's a decision. Because the devil will have you think that, see, it's pointless, it's futile. Your God is asleep. He's not listening to you. He's going to tell you that you're going to fail. It's not going to work out. The things that you try to do, maybe it didn't work. And you think, or you'll get so close to succeeding and then something will drop out and go wrong. All right? That is the time for you to really double down and to praise God and to glorify Him for His goodness. You see, you know. And all of us, I don't care how young or old that you may be, have had God do something for you that really set you back on your heels and you were like, oh wow. Okay? All right? And you, oh wow. The thing for us, one of the tricks that I've used, I shouldn't say tricks, but one of the things that I've done over the years is that I make a mental picture. You know, I know my wife and I over the years, even we took, took photographs of the first places that we lived. You know, we lived in a studio apartment, you know, one room and so on like that. And, and the, the decor on the walls and so on. And we looked at it and we took pictures. How at one time we, the place was so small that we had a cardboard fireplace in there. One of those cardboard fireplaces where you, you, there's a light bulb behind it. A fake log thing, and the light bulb makes this thing spin with heat. And there's some crinkly paper attached. So the crinkly paper, when it spins with this orange light, looks like a fire and sounds like a fire. Okay, and we took pictures of that, you know. And we were thankful. We were thankful. We had food on the table and heat in the room and so on like that. So as you grow up through life and things happen to you, when thing negative things happen, you think back to the good things that God did for you. You think back. And you say to myself, well, gee whiz, God brought me through that. God brought me through that. You know, God brought me through that. We had a car that broke down in the snow, had no way, and she was pregnant with our firstborn, our first one, and, and didn't have any idea how we were going to get a new car. We had like, I think it was $600 in the bank to our name, and we needed to get a car, and we prayed and prayed and prayed, and the car that I always wanted was a 1980 Monza, I remember. I wanted a brown Monza. And, and uh, we prayed and prayed, and we called up the dealer, and we said, we have one more on the lot, one car on the lot, and we went down and looked at it, and it was the Monza. It was covered with snow. We had a top over it, I remember. We covered it, pulled it back. And lo and behold, it was a brown car with the tan interior, exactly what I had been praying for. And when I told him, I said, well, I only got $600, you know, things. he said, well, that's going to be kind of hard, you know, to approve for a down payment. We'll put it through the banks, you know, and we just prayed and had faith in God. And lo and behold, it was approved. And we wound up getting the car and so forth, okay, against all odds, you see. So the Lord has done that over the years. So what I'm trying to say to you is that where God has blessed you before, remember those things. So that when something comes up in your life again and now, to remember to glorify God and to be thankful, it will make it easier for you. 
because you can think back the way he brought you through then. And you can say that God will indeed bring me through this new thing, whatever this is, you see. So the whole key is to keep glorifying God, to keep glorifying God. Because there's a couple of things that you run risk if you don't. First of all, by not glorifying God, you may not wind up getting what it is that you're praying for. But the more you stop glorifying God and remembering to be thankful for him, you wind up slipping further and further away from him. And you don't want God to give you up to a reprobate mind and to just say, well, this child of mine simply is not acknowledging me. He's not bringing me glory. You know, God said he's a jealous God. He does not want you replacing him with other things in your life. Remember that seesaw thing. You don't want to have the problem up higher than God because then not only are you holding that. See, the bad thing about doing that with God is that you're holding the problem higher than God, but you're also diminishing God. You're diminishing him by putting him down lower which is a very dangerous thing for us to do. Amen? Amen? So moving here to our closing verses here, Acts 16, and starting with verse number 14, and I'm sure you, you remember these events. Um, and, a certain woman, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Tyatira, who worshipped God, um, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken by Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain maid, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. In other words, by her telling fortune, she was bringing her masters a whole lot of money. She was making money by fortune teller. And she worked for, for people, for these guys. The same Paul, the same followed Paul, this woman followed him, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who show unto us the way of salvation. See, now, the interesting thing here, this woman was practicing demonic things, you know, fortune-telling and whatnot. But it's interesting, it says, though, the Most High God who show us the, the way of salvation. So, she knew about God. You see, she knew about God, even though she was following demonic practices. She knew about God, or knew of God anyway. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and he came out, and, and he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the elders and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. So in other words, now these men got upset because all of a sudden uh, Paul here was, was, uh, was impacting their income because this woman who was, you know, making money and by divination, and fortune telling and everything like that uh, was getting people to stop listening to her and, and they were listening to Paul so that upset them so they said well let's go let's go turn them into the Romans verse 22 and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded to beat them now tearing off the clothes was like you know when uh, what's his name uh, Caiaphas ripped his, yeah, that was an expression of the day. Extreme frustration was to rip your garment. That was what they did. It was a, you know, a habit or whatever you, I don't know what to call it. It's the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. But anyway, to show your frustration, you, you ripped your clothes. But anyway, um, um, okay. 
and the multitude, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, verse 23, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Okay, so they threw them into the deepest part of the prison to make sure they, they couldn't get out. And at midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Underline prayed and sang praises. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Okay, now here they are locked up in prison. You talk about having a bad thing in your life happen, where you got all sorts of bad stuff going on. And when I, I've got through saying it several times that when things are going bad, one of the hardest things to do is to praise God. All right? Well, these guys are in jail. Not only in jail, but they're in the deepest part of the jail where they put them into. And so what are they doing? They're, they're praying and they're singing praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's hands were loosed. All right? Here they were praying, locked in prison, and they started praying and praising God. Remember the scripture that said, God inhabits the praises of his people? All right? When you're praising God, you may not see God. You might not see, I mean, who knows, God is sovereign, he can do what he will. Maybe one day when you're praising, maybe he will show up in front of you, I don't know. But we don't stop and wait for that. When you're praising God, God inhabits that, inhabits where you are. He loves to be where there is praise going on. And verse 27 says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had, had fled, had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang up, sprang in, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. See, he was worried that he was going to be punished because Paul and them had, had escaped. Uh, then it says in 30, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. Underline that, please. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Not just him, but also his house. Then they spoke unto him the word of the Lord, and to all, to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and, and all of his uh, immediately. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. And when it, and when it was day, the magistrate sent to the sergeant, saying, Let these men go, etc., etc. And you can read the rest of how they were asked to leave the city. But here you see, because of the fact that in that time of, 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 of stress, I mean, being locked in a prison, if that's not stress, what is? They decided to praise God and to pray and to praise God. As a result, they were free. But even more on top of that, because... Because of their praise in God and being set free, they wound up witnessing to someone else. Someone else got saved. Someone else got saved, he and his family, you see. So by your actions in praising and, and praying to God in the time of your need, when you're, you're in distress, you never know how God is going to use that for even a greater good. Where someone seeing what, you, what you're doing and how you're managing the situation, how they may decide to also, uh, well let me find out what it is about this praise stuff that you're doing. What is it? What, who are you praying to? What's it all about? And then you may wind up ministering to them saying, well you know, you can come through life the same way. This is what it's about. It's about knowing Jesus Christ and, and, and being faithful to him and so on. You see? So even through this, I can't think of anything worse than being locked in prison. And that's the time when you have something like that going on. And what do you think about doing? You didn't see them talking about, let me figure a way out of here. 
You know, or how can I bribe this guard to get out of here? Right away they started praising. Amen. So this is, is nothing compared to what it is that we go through in life. Amen. So what I'm saying to you is that, please remember, glorify God in your life. Glorify Him. Be thankful for Him. Do what the Word of God tells you to do, you know. And, 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 I, and I guarantee you, in terms of what the Word of God says, and even in terms of my life and my wife's lives, by doing that, we've always done this, you wind up, you will prosper. Doesn't mean that you won't have difficult times in life. No, Jesus said you will have tribulations, yes. But it's how you respond to that tribulation which makes the difference between us and the unbeliever. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Glorify Him. Keep that seesaw vision in your mind. If that, if that thing going on in your life is up here, you know, then you're lifting that situation, that negative situation. You're holding that up above God. And by doing that, you're also diminishing God. So what you need to do is to unbalance that and bring God back up where He is the one that's on top. And the problem is diminished. All right? By you glorifying God and keeping Him on top and praising Him, then that problem down here, while it may be temporarily diminished, diminished eventually it will indeed disappear to go away amen amen i pray this message has been a blessing to you and now before we close let's prepare to honor god with our tithes and offerings